I think some of the skills that you know modern companies need from their IT and security professionals are really blending to sort of this like more modern administrator who can also look at and assess security risk across applications that they are either like data custodians for and helping to administer controls with a more active administrator that's outside of IT, or if they're taking real like deep ownership of a solution, sort of like, you know, your organization's identity or something like that. Welcome to a new episode of All Aboard, the show where we have real conversations with IT and security practitioners. No fluff, no talking points, just straight talk from experts and advice for tackling the toughest problems facing cloud forward companies today. I'm your host, Alex Bowie, CEO and co-founder of Conductor One. For this week's episode, I'm excited to have Don Lombardi join us. Don is VP of Security and Trust at Kanji, the modern endpoint management and security platform for Apple devices. He's here to talk about security and IT, specifically why these two teams are becoming more intertwined and what that means for enabling innovation and mitigating risk. Dom shares more about Kanji's journey from its founding to today, how he cultivates a culture of security, and how device access and identity fits into the broader zero trust picture. Let's get into it. Dom, thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, awesome. Uh, you know, I always really find it interesting to hear about um, you know people who've spent a long time in security, their backgrounds and their personal journey in the field. I think security has evolved pretty substantially uh, even over the last 10 years. Uh, I'm really curious, how did you find your way into um, the VP of security role at Kanji? And maybe if it's interesting, what were some of the uh, the critical choices or, or decisions you made along the road um, in your career journey to get here? Yeah, I, I took an interesting path to get to where I am now. Um, I started my career coming out of undergrad with a degree in literature and philosophy and, uh, you know, non, non-computer background, uh, got into security by way of IT and IT architecture. And sort of at that point, right, IT uh, had most of the responsibilities around administration, control, implementation, and security was sort of like a thing that IT did, right? And now we've seen an evolution, um, towards, I think, more focus on building out programs for security and a shift in terms of what IT is for more modern organizations. And you know, the balance of what IT and security do has, I, I think, also shifted. So I got into security by way of IT governance, IT risk, and uh, IT control work. So... I'm kind of actually curious, maybe to uh, click a little bit further into that. One of the um, the messages that that Kanji's starting to talk a, a lot more about, sort of publicly, is this. Uh, I think you guys use the term "tearing down the wall" between IT and security, and we think actually that there's a, a similar movement happening. Before I sort of taint the conversation too much with like my perspective on it, what it, what does that mean? And because you alluded to it a little bit there in, in even like your own career path, how it's like they're very intertwined, um, what you do in IT in terms of like driving security outcomes, enforcing security policies. Clearly, there's there's something there. Like, what does that mean for, for Kanji when you guys talk about turning down the walls between IT and security? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot there in terms of what uh, Kanji's trying to do with and with the intersection between IT and security. 
And I think there's something to be said about the landscape in terms of how it's evolving and changing, right? I think some of the skills that you know modern companies need from their IT and security professionals are really blending to sort of this like more modern administrator who can also look at and assess security risk across applications that they are either like data custodians for and helping to administer controls with a more active administrator that's outside of IT, or if they're taking real like deep ownership of a solution, sort of like, you know, your organization's identity or something like that. So, um, you know, I, I think where you see the skill set evolving, that's sort of also where the teams and the sort of needs of those teams are sort of beginning much more intertwined. Right? And I've worked on IT teams with security organizations where there's really that divide, right? Where security teams have their tooling, they are finding things for IT to then go and resolve. And there's this back and forth of, hey, this is something you need to go and action. Hey, are you actioning it according to our guidelines and SLAs? And then managing drift from that. Uh, and you know, IT has a lot of different responsibilities within the organization. I think you know, as the teams are starting to evolve and mesh more, there's opportunity for products like Kanji to really address needs of a more modern IT professional, right? Which has a lot of security implications to what they're doing. Yeah. I love that so much. Uh, super resonates um, with me and, and in terms of what we see, um, just in terms of um, this real, like, everybody in the company now is like an application owner. Everyone is responsible for security at some level, right? It is like the shared responsibility model. And it just doesn't seem very effective or efficient to throw tickets over the wall um, from security to IT to like go address something at like some SLA. Um, we talk a lot about uh, shif shifting things left. Uh, I had a conversation with Guy Pajarni from Sneak um, a few weeks ago about this exact same concept in the DevSecOps space, right? Um, and uh, yeah, it just it feels like the world is moving towards decentralization. Um, you know, pushing as much as you can, like creating security policy that's centralized, really helping helping individual users, application, data owners, whatever it is, enforce those security policies um, more effectively. I think organizations that have uh, really effective security postures and are, are ones that create that consciousness without like throughout their organizations so that you have uh, people who are building your programs for whatever function that you're you know doing as a company yeah you want to in increase their security awareness their security intelligence and their ability to think about things from a, a risk perspective while they're building effective programs for your customers that bring value back to the business and to them and to your customers so uh, I think that's really important. So it must be a challenge then when you think about running a security team and your responsibility is to make sure, I guess at some level, right, top level, like the company doesn't get hacked, your data doesn't breach, your customer environments stay, you know, uh, um, intact. They're not um, compromised in any way. How do you, how do you help create that culture in the company when it's, it is also a little bit less to some degree, like centralized security command and control as well, right? Because you are at some level uh, enabling the rest of the business to 
um, adapt new technologies, to use um, new applications, to roll out new solutions. To you know, you want to enable that agility, but you also want to make sure that you're secure. That's got to create a unique challenge for security. How do you how do you think about that? It's a great question. I think it really starts with building relationships with your security team and with business leaders and with members of the business. Right, like security, effective security programs increase the fidelity of your organization's control environment to be able to protect the information that you're processing, storing on behalf of your customers, behalf of your people, uh, while while being effective and not introducing undue friction, right? It's hard to create that without getting to understand what people are trying to do, what the systems are and the capabilities are, their budgets are, what their other constraints are. And then be able to design security controls into that is really where you get effective outputs is when you're able to understand what they're doing, what's most important to them and say, okay, how can I help introduce security into what's most important to you? Right? That's where it becomes really effective. It's uh, I, uh, I hear this so consistently from successful IT and security leaders that their number one recommendation on how to create a positive IT and security culture. I mean, this isn't surprising at some level, but it, maybe it is, is to really be consultative with their peer organizations, uh, talking to their, their peer organizations, trying to understand what their goals are and try to understand how you can enable them to be more effective. Um, I just think that's interesting because it, it is a, it is a, it's a bit of a different philosophical change. I would argue uh, than even companies, 10, 15 years ago, right? Where it was like very walled garden, like security teams kind of got the bad reputation of being like, you're the team of no, right? As opposed to the team of an And that feels like that's like fundamentally different. It's very different these days. Yeah, very different. Um, I think it needs to be, right? I think effective security programs are not the organization that uh, says no or is the check before. It needs to be built into like you said, shifting left earlier, right? That you mentioned uh, a little while ago, number one priority is make sure the company doesn't get hacked, right? Like the way you do that is by increasing the security consciousness of everyone at the company to make their programs and organizations more secure, right? It makes the entire company more effective. Yep. Makes sense. Let's um, shift gears for a second. I want to talk a little bit more about um, technology, uh, Kanji is in the, you guys are innovating in the mobile device management space. Um, I always find it really interesting when, uh, you see new companies really innovating on problems that are, that are old problems and being very successful at it. And I, I don't mean this in any sort of bad way, but like the mobile device management space has been around for a minute. Um, and I remember, uh, even looking at potentially getting into the mobile device management space three startups ago when I was leading enterprise products at, at Lookout. And at the time, the concern was, you know, this is going to be a hyper competitive market. There's going to be a lot of pricing pressures. And it's amazing to fast forward 10 years later and see companies like Kanji being extremely successful at innovating in that space. People love the product. They love the solution. What did you guys, what did you do differently? Like, what did you tap into? What was the change that really created an opportunity for you to innovate in that space? I think where Kanji is really effective at innovating in the space and being hyper-focused on creating really strong solutions for Apple devices and Apple purpose-built solutions for 
organizations that are you know using apple products be it mac os ios tvos devices right like you, you need a way to secure uh manage and scale those devices across your organization and, and kanji is really thoughtful about our design and creating elegant easy to use solutions that are quick to value for our customers so you know when you're thinking about the apple experience that you have using mac devices uh, in the workplace you want something that when you're managing those devices is elegant and easy to use too and kanji has really thoughtful design uh, throughout our product life cycle the uh, consistent thread with every modern security company that I talk to, every founder, every VP security, whatever it is, is like quick time to value, elegant user experience, easy to use and deploy. It's like <laughs> if you're uh, if you're if you're out there listening and you're thinking about starting a security company, if you just nail those three things in any space, you're probably going to be extremely fine because. Um, there's so much opportunity there because the existing generations of companies surprisingly just didn't, didn't do that. Right. Like, and I think actually just to, to tie this back to uh, earlier uh, point of discussion, I really wonder how much of that was tied to kind of early command and control decision-making, which is when the purchase for a product was kind of driven by like a central authority, you didn't really need to get that buy-in organizational buy-in didn't matter that much. You could kind of buy the product that maybe, maybe even checked all the boxes from a feature standpoint, but, but your end users didn't love. It feels to me like one of the, a couple of the recognitions is that one, your, your user adoption matters because back to your point, um, if security is an everyone problem and if people don't like the products, they're just going to work around them. Uh, and then also you're going to get a lot of like pitchforks leveled at you, <laughs> which yeah. nobody wants. That's not, that's yeah, not a fun I mean, job. <laughs> Right. No, yeah. No one wants to be the security professional who, when you walk into the room, people like groan that you're there, right? They want to be, I want people to come to members of my team and members of my organization uh, with problems because they know that we're going to help them come up with solutions, right? Uh, and if you have and create the culture where you want to partner with security and security is there to help partner, guide, and advise. That's where I think you have really effective programs because the things that you're building for your customers are more secure for your customers, right? And in terms of how they process the data for them, how they do so many different things. So, um, yeah, I think that's the, uh, the, the way to go, right? Yeah. Another part of device management that I, I think is really interesting is, um, it, it feels like device uh, aware access control has really become a fever pitch problem statement uh, as you know, maybe, maybe uh, in part because it's such a, a, a reference component to the zero trust architecture is, you know, device aware context, device aware access control. Um, also though, I wonder if, remote work has influenced that just because people are a lot more out of the office now than they used to be. I guess I'm, I'm really kind of curious. Um, how do you see device aware access control playing an important part, uh, or, or device context rather playing an important part of the access control decision? Is that a driver for why a lot of people buy Kanji? How do you see that evolving over time, particularly as it relates to zero trust access? So I think Kanji is uniquely positioned in terms of what some of the products that we're building around this space, right? Like context-aware 
access controls on devices extends beyond just who, what, and where, right? There's a lot of device state data that helps inform your posture that if things drift from pre-configured or, you know, desired control states, then uh, you can take action to remove certain functionality from that device, right? Like, uh, you know, we use TwinGate for uh, our remote access solution internally, right? Like there's a lot of effective policies that we can orchestrate based off of context of our, of our device state to then say, hey, remove, let's say, the ability to use TwinGate on this machine until the device re-enters that state. And then let's redeploy that to that user so that the experience is a little bit more seamless for them. We're able to help ma- help them maintain that state of their device. And, you know, with with EDR being able to then fold in our EDR product offering with the device management and creating this state of, hey, you can have context to the vulnerabilities that are on your device, right? The EDR solutions that we're offering along with the device management capabilities, create an ecosystem by which you can securely manage your device fleet for your users, right? You can take some context from your users, from your identity solution, and marry that with your device management and then device context like states becomes a really powerful way to orchestrate the experience that you have to secure your devices and your people and data. And maybe this is, is more of a comment than a question, but I think um, uh, what you were saying earlier about tearing down the walls between IT and security, and then even just hearing you describe the problems that you want to solve for customers um, it makes a lot of sense why Kanji would expand into the EDR market, right? Because it is like, there's the management piece of it, which is MDM. There's the security piece of it, which is the context and the awareness of the endpoint <laughs> as well. Uh, and I, I was going to actually ask you a question about what was the strategy behind that, but I think that that makes a ton of sense now. Presumably, it's about making the right access control decisions for devices. Yeah, I think our, our CEO, Adam Pettit, uh, and other co-founders, when they when they started Kanji, they saw the landscape that you know, devices have uh, a lot of needs, a lot of needs for remote workers, in-office workers, people in general. And Apple devices, there's no real purpose-built solution end-to-end to solve those problems. A lot of more you know legacy technologies that have been around in these spaces have. Apple as a component because their customers have a need for Apple, but maybe their devices still are primarily Windows-based devices, right? By by building more purpose-built solutions for Apple devices in enterprises and for more modern technology companies, we're able to marry a lot of the components of the zero trust models into what we're building for our customers, but it really starts with MDM. And MDM is always a core part of managing the devices and that piece of the context, right? A lot of really exciting things happening at Kanji for, you know, now and into the future and a, a great time to be sort of building these products for our customers. Yeah, you guys are well, you're well positioned for it. I mean, it, it feels like writing, you know, you definitely right time, right place as it relates to the zero trust movement, device where access control. I think, um, you know, just everything you kind of described the the pain point you're trying to solve for customers around making the right access decisions while solving the management problem, you know, the convergence of IT and security, all, it all makes sense. Uh, it seems like, um, 
Seems like you guys are going to do extremely well. <laughs> I'm excited for you. Yeah, I think so. I'm excited too. Yeah. Shifting gears uh, to the kind of broader security ecosystem, what are you excited about for 2023? It doesn't have to be about Kanji, but maybe just security more broadly. Yeah, I'm really excited that uh, events are opening back up. Really, right? I went to B Sides SF recently. Uh, wasn't able to go to RSA, but was at Black Hat last year. We'll be at other security events uh, over the course of this year. Both ones at Kanji will be there and sponsoring, but also there as an attendee. And just being able to meet with people again and to talk about security with people again that you know I've been only able to communicate virtually like this with uh, is really nice. That's something I'm really looking forward to in 2023. Um, but then also just like uh, being able to like be in, in larger community events too, right? Like the last time we spoke in a local host event, right? There's a lot of opportunities just to be more networking and helping people along their career within security, right? And as you're thinking about expanding security throughout your company, I think there's a really op- opportunistic time to be thinking too about how you can be expanding pipelines for your security teams internally for people who might be looking to get into security who start or looking to start their career, right? Like I, I came into security because it was an opportunistic time for me at an organization that to take on some more security responsibilities as part of what I was doing within IT and then have never really looked back since then. Um, yeah. You're, so, right, right. Right, uh, yeah. that's, that's, right time, right place for you, man. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good time to get into the security field. <laughs> yeah. Kanji, uh, Kanji is a really great, great opportunity for a lot of different reasons um, and really excited to be you know, here helping the team to, you know, build products for people like me. Right. Uh, you know, I am the buyer yeah. both from an IT perspective and security perspective. So it's great to be able to, you know, not only build security programs internally and, but to be able to help, you know, the design and implementation of some of these things back into our products. It's great when you uh, you get to kind of really truly like dog food your own um, your your own product capabilities at some level where like you are the target market and customer. We do the same thing internally at Conductor One. It's uh it's nice. Um, any uh, sort of predictions in terms of what do you think? What do you think the most important kind of threats are going to be to pay attention to maybe in 2023 or beyond? Like, do you see a change there in, in terms of what you're either seeing happening out in the world from, you know, talking with folks in the security community or just things that like you're really thinking about for your business in terms of securing your, your customer data and employees? Yeah, I think common threads for a lot of organizations are thinking about building security further left into their product development cycles, right? At, at the product inception stage where uh, your your product and engineering leadership internally are coming together to figure out how are we going to solve this problem for our customers, right? Uh, if we can start thinking about security earlier in those stages and then be building security into our tooling and processes and pipelines, right, that's where you're going to get really effective security outputs. And I think that's what we see, you know, uh, you know, looking at data over the past few years is upticks and trends are people like adversaries aren't breaking in, they are logging in. And right, 
they're, they're compromising active accounts. So if you're looking at ways to secure your organizations, right, it's looking at ways to secure your people, secure their identities, secure their access, and making sure that their access is temporal and you know configured appropriately. Right? And that's where solutions like Conductor One come in, right? So um, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for organizations to really be thinking about and building out solutions uh, to help mitigate against like misconfigurations and you know I think mitigating identity and and, and access there. Yeah, plus one hundred onto that. Uh, identity and access control, obviously, big, big focus for us. I love what you're saying about um, just awareness and kind of evangelizing that internally at companies and making kind of security uh, top level um, concern and consideration for everybody at the the company. That that resonates a ton with me. Um, and then doing that in a way also that that helps kind of decentralize and uh, delegate out decision-making more effectively so people can be productive and still use the tools that they want to use. Um, it was great talking with you, Dom. I appreciate it. Uh, I thought this was a really good conversation. Really enjoyed it. Um, lots of good nuggets in there about deviceware access control, the future of uh, uh, zero trust as it relates to, uh, you know, deviceware context and um, decision-making and uh, yeah, appreciate your time. Really appreciate you having me. Uh, it's always a pleasure talking with you, Alex, and I can talk to you about identity devices and you know, how like, purpose-built <laughs> security solutions are, are most effective. And uh, this is great. Really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Great stuff, man. Have a great rest of the day. Thanks. You too. Thanks for tuning in. This episode of All Aboard is brought to you by the team at Conductor One. We'd love to hear your feedback. Send us a message at allaboard at conductorone.com. Until next time. 